You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. What Jesus was telling those guys was to hang on to his word, trust in his word, and act in obedience. He's saying, get going, act in obedience. Listen, there are times when the Lord's healing is instant and immediate, but there are other times we have to exercise some faith. Faith is believing before any evidence is visible. Pastor Dion will encourage you in his message today that God's Word is alive and powerful. As his child, you're called to walk in faithful obedience based on the promises found in Scripture. This can be hard when all you see are hardships and challenges. There are times when God's Word is all you have to hang on to. This is when you must walk in faith whether you can see it, feel it, or like it. When you walk by faith and not by sight, God's promises become reality. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 17 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. My style of teaching includes a lot of hope, a little bit of humor, and some of this. Everybody say it out loud. What is it? History. Can I start with a little bit of history this morning? For the past seven chapters, that's been the past four months of Jesus' ministry, Jesus has been moving from Galilee slowly south toward Jerusalem. You see, he has an appointment with destiny. And destiny isn't a brown-eyed girl from Bethlehem. Destiny is betrayal, arrest, torture, and crucifixion. And he's marching there all because he loves us. Now Luke, in his gospel that we've been going through, doesn't record the stop that we're about to go through, but John in his gospel did. You see, as Jesus was coming down from Galilee towards Jerusalem to meet the cross, Jesus led his disciples to a retreat in the mountains above the Dead Sea called the Qumran. All right? And so let me kind of just give you a little update here. Um, Jesus has spent a lot of ministry out here in the Galilee area, the Sea of Galilee in this area. But now he has been, he has this last stage of his, of his life in ministry. He has been making his destination Jerusalem, which is down here. And he's been making that destination because he has an appointment with a cross. He crossed the Jordan River, and he spent a lot of time in Perea. In fact, all of the teachings that we've been going through over the past four or five weeks have been teachings that he did here in Perea. But as he's making, continuing his destination down to Jerusalem, he comes to this place. All this northern area above the Dead Sea is called the Qumran. So he's there in the Qumran. There was a monastery of sorts there in the Qumran where Jewish men dedicated their lives to the service of God. 
They called themselves the Essenes. We're, we're familiar with that. We're like Esse, right? But Essenes, all right? So they called themselves the Essenes. So Jesus led his disciples and the crowd that was following down from uh, Galilee all the way through Samaria, across into Perea. And then he comes to this monastery where they're just going to have a retreat. They're going to take some time off to this place called the Qumran with the Essenes. Now, the Essenes separated themselves from society and lived lives of surrender. Here's what they did. They did regular spiritual cleansing by ritual bath, or we call them baptisms. There in the Qumran, there, there's a lot of baptismals, these, these places where they dug out hundreds around the Qumran, where these men would, they had come to this place, this monastery, to dedicate their lives to the Lord. And it was about spiritual cleansing and physical cleansing and, and service to the Lord. And they would get down into these baths several times a day sometimes, and they would do this baptism. They'd take their clothes off, they'd walk into the water, they would cleanse themselves, they would go immerse themselves in the water and come up uh, renewed, kind of renewed in their spirit, renewed in their mind, and renewed in their service to God and come back out. And and so they would do that often there, these Aseans in the Qumran. Well, guys, their main devotion was the Old Testament, was to the Old Testament scriptures. Not just keeping them, but copying them. They were the writers of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest copies of the Old Testament scriptures that we have today. So Jesus actually went out to this area, spent time, as he's spending time there before he makes his trek last leg to Jerusalem, and he's spending time with them there. John the Baptist, guys, was part of this group of Essenes until God called him out as Jesus' forerunner. And that's why John's preaching, John the Baptist's preaching, was so heavily influenced by Old Testament prophecy, because he was always writing it, and baptism. It was during Jesus' retreat there at the Qumran that a messenger from Martha and Mary came calling on Jesus, that his friend Lazarus, was seriously sick. If you remember, Jesus doesn't leave right away. As he's there in the retreat, these messengers come from Bethany, just across um, the mountain from from Jerusalem, and they come and they say, your friend, the person you've spent many times at their house, you've eaten with them, you've shared with them, your friend, Lazarus, is seriously sick, the messenger said. And Jesus didn't leave right away. And Lazarus died. Four days later, Jesus showed up to Lazarus' home in Bethany. We all know the story. Jesus asked to be taken to Lazarus' tomb. He stood there and said, roll the stone away. And Mary said, or Martha said, by this time, no Lord, by this time he stinks. It's been four days. But Jesus called out to Lazarus raised him from the dead. Now, Jesus declared at that moment, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What a Savior. That's what took place between verse 10 of chapter 17, where we ended the last time we were here, and verse 11 where we are today. 
So between verse 10 and verse 11, everything I told you, Jesus going to Bethany, hanging out in the Qumran, being, uh, you know, invited or asked to go heal uh, his sick friend. And then Jesus showing up four days later and raising, that took place between verse 10 and verse 11. Now, after such an awesome miracle, you would think that Jesus would host a revival there in Bethany, right? But instead, Jesus headed out of town into a barren wilderness on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Let's take a look at the map again and see what happened. All right? So Jesus comes down from the Galilee all the way through Perea. He hangs out here in the Qumran, and then he gets the message. Lazarus ends up dying. He goes to Bethany right here, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, you would think that he would, I mean, put up the stakes of the tent, have a tent revival. I mean, after all, who could deny such a notable miracle? But instead of hanging out there in Bethany, Jesus actually moves all the way back up towards this way to the borders in this no man's land here between Galilee and Samaria. He kind of backtracked. Some said Jesus was running from something. But Luke recorded that Jesus was actually running toward something. Let's read it. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And that he entered a certain village there. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. So Jesus backtracks and ends up in this place and he runs into these lepers. Jesus circled back and he found ten lepers. Now, leprosy, guys, was an infectious and incurable skin disease. Incurable skin disease. This disease destroyed the nerve cells. Uh, you know, and a person would lose all feeling. The tissue would swell and gradually rot away. It usually started at the extremities. This disease would kill all the nerve endings in your fingers, your toes, your ears, your nose, around your face. It would make for a gruesome appearance. And the rotting flesh caused a horrible, repulsive odor. Lepers looked like zombies, except they were decomposing while alive. The Jews around Israel called leprosy the living death. Here's why. When a person was diagnosed with leprosy, and this is how it would happen. If you noticed a rash or some sores that wouldn't go away after a few days, you were required to go to the temple in Jerusalem and be examined by a priest. The priest would take you and, and look at the rash and examine it. They would thoroughly comb through your body and then they would put you in a place where you would basically uh, you, you know, be held so that you, you, you wouldn't be able to see anybody else. So that there was a waiting period of eight days to see whether or not the rash spread. 
If it spread and you ended up being diagnosed with this leprosy that was highly contagious, the priest then would bring you out of temple and would document your name, your birth date, and the date of your diagnosis, the day you got diagnosed with leprosy. From that day, it would be known as your death date. The priest would give a leper a torn black garment. It wasn't a fashion style, but a burial wrap. And then the priest would read the Jewish burial service over the person and escort them outside of the walls of the city. The leper would be banished from the Jewish community forever. Cut off from family and friends and church. Isolated permanently. Abandoned and forsaken. Maybe you can identify, not with leprosy, but the results. A life that's falling apart. Maybe your leprosy is divorce, or chronic illness, or unemployment, bankruptcy, addiction, or depression. Family and friends, society have abandoned you, dismissed you, or are avoiding you. Listen, when your dreams are defiled and your health is gone and your hopes are crushed, what's left? The Lord is. And Jesus isn't far. David explained it like this. He explained it best. Psalm 139, verse 7. I can never get away from my God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest ocean, even there your hand will find me. Whether you're in the wilderness, the ICU, a rehab clinic, a crisis center, or the county jail, Jesus circles back to be within range of your Christ. Paul, in one of his sermons, said this about the Lord. Acts 17.27 He said, Men grope in the darkness and find Him because He is not far from any one of us. And the Old Testament prophet Zephaniah said this, chapter 3, verse 17. Would you read this one with me? The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I like it. Before the ten lepers knew that Jesus was available, they were groping in the darkness. They sulked in self-pity. Were drowning in depression. But then God showed up. He circled back. God showed up. A light broke into their darkness. The lepers were drawn out of the shadows and they called on the name of the Lord. Have mercy on us. That's what they said. Let's read the passage. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when He saw them, He said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Listen, if you stay in the shadows, isolated and insulated, in your hurt, 
in your difficulty, in your pain, in your pity parties, or your depression. If you stay in the shadows, you might miss your window. We have to do what one New Testament pastor told his congregation to do. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Stop complaining and start calling. In Psalm 145, verse 18, read it with me. He is close to all who call on Him sincerely. Let's say that again. He is close to all who call on Him sincerely. He fulfills the desires of those who reverence and trust Him. He hears their cries for help and He rescues them. Now these guys, Jesus circles back. I mean, some people thought Jesus was running from something, but He was running towards something. And, and He found these ten lepers, or these ten lepers, they realize He's there and they're drawn out of the shadows. They start calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus didn't lay hands on them or even pray over the lepers. Instead, Jesus gave them an order. Go show yourself to the priest. You see, only the priest in Jerusalem could confirm their healing. So what Jesus was implying by telling them, go show yourself to the priest, He was implying healing and restoration. It was a promise. You see, in the Old Testament, God called Abraham father of a multitude when he and Elizabeth were still barren. In the same way Jesus was calling the lepers healed before there was any shred of evidence. Go show yourself to the priest. Jesus spoke words that promised healing to those guys. Guys, I tell you, when He makes a promise, it doesn't matter how long or how deteriorated things are. God's Word will never return void. Here's the verse, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my Word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's Word is alive and powerful. And when it's spoken to you, it's a promise. Can you say amen? And that's what Jesus Go show yourself to the priest. In that statement was the promise of health and restoration. What Jesus was telling those guys was to hang on to His Word. Trust in His Word and act in obedience. He's saying, get going. Act in obedience. Listen. There are times when the Lord's healing is instant and immediate. But there are other times we have to exercise some faith. Faith is believing before any evidence is visible. Acting in faith is acting on God's Word whether we see it, feel it, or like it. I'm going to say it again because I don't want it to go over your head. Acting in faith is acting on God's Word whether we see it, feel it, or like it. There will be times when God's Word is all you have to hang on to. During those times, 
the Apostle Paul encouraged us to do this. 2 Corinthians 5.7 Walk by faith and not by sight. When we do, God's promises become reality. Sometimes all you have to hang on to is God's Word. The symptoms are still there. The diagnosis is still hanging over you. The broken marriage is still, still in pieces. But you've got to hang on to God's Word. Sometimes that's all you have to hang on to. And when you do, when you walk by faith and not by sight, God will turn that promise into a reality. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, I don't know exactly at what point. Because that's a long walk to the to, to Jerusalem temple. I don't know at what point it finally all happened. But as they went, they were healed. When these ten men got to the temple in Jerusalem, they showed themselves to the priest and offered the Old Testament sacrifice for cleansing. The Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 14, details a ceremony for a leper who has been cleansed. And it's a picture of new life. The ceremony in Leviticus chapter 14 calls for the blood of a turtle dove to be applied to the former leper. Turtle doves were the sacrifice that God prescribed for newborn babies. In fact, the ceremony is identical to a dedication ceremony for a newborn baby. Isn't that weird? See, the ceremony for a former leper was symbolic of new birth. He was born again and returned to, into the arms of his family and community because it was a picture of being born again. After that beautiful reunion there at the temple, in their arms of their family once again, while others were hosting receptions. You know, the other nine were hosting receptions You know, after their cleansing. One of the lepers returned to give Jesus thanks. Let's read it, verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So you know, all these, these ten guys show up at the temple in Jerusalem. I bet that was surprising to the priests. You know, one on occasion coming in, but now all ten. And he's, you know he's going to ask, what, how did you guys, how, how did this happen? Jesus. We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. 
Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had, his time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and he's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.